0: Welcome to the MVP show. Today we're chatting with Aaron Back, a senior Dynamics 365 consultant at Ace Microtechnology. He currently assists customers in maximizing Dynamics 365 Power Platform, Power Automate, Power BI, and Power Apps. He is currently an advisory board member of Dynamics 365 and CRM and Power BI user groups. In his region, which is Ohio, um, where he also is a chapter lead of UG. Aside from this, he can't take his hands off Power Automate, his favorite product of right now. Full show notes can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 175. Now let's get on with the show. Hello Aaron, welcome to the MVP show. Thank you, Mark. Glad to be here. Good to have you on air and uh, and learn really about your journey and becoming an MVP. What's it been like? Actually, it's been
1: a long journey, uh, to say the least. Um, <laughs> I actually started off with just uh, hands-on uh, being an admin by almost being (laughs) voluntold that you're (laughs) hey you're now an admin add this to your hat of things to do uh amongst the other multiple hats to wear so uh that journey started back in the mid 2000s um i started working actually on the dynamics uh, gp side um and then the company i was with took on dynamics uh, crm back then as it was known and uh that's when I was handed that extra hat of responsibility. And uh, so from then on, it's been just a hands-on learning experience uh, along with uh, certification courses and exams and just, uh, you know, uh, nose to the grindstone, so to speak, of uh, learning along the way and learning from other experts. That's really helped.
0: It's good. It's good. How, how much does your GP Worlds and your, um, your other Dynamics Suite of products, Power Platform, those type of things cross over. Uh, do you see a lot of integrations happening?
1: Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, with the similar type, you know, modules and/or entities between the two, uh, specifically around you know orders, invoices, products, things like that. Uh, we'll see some integration uh, come along uh, every now and then. Uh, some folks, you know, have other. Uh, legacy RP systems, or uh, that they want to keep unique and separate. Uh, some people like the integration. It just depends on the business need, but that's typically where I see some integration happening.
0: So tell us a bit about where you're from. Where do you hail from in the world? And uh, what's that place famous for?
1: Sure. Uh, so I'm actually from Ohio uh, in the United States. Uh, I'm just, just north of Cincinnati, uh, major cities in. Ohio that most people know or Cincinnati, Columbus, uh, Cleveland or Toledo, uh, regions, but, uh, uh, famously or infamously, uh, the Cincinnati region is known for the, uh, the, uh, Cincinnati style chili, <laughs> uh, and it's usually a taste preference. Uh, I'll say that, uh, my family seems to like it, um, but, uh, it's not your traditional, uh, Hardy, thick chili that you would, uh, may have seen in, in many different parts of the U S or the world. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, what we're known for it. Also the Cincinnati reds, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, uh, hail from there. But, uh, uh, as far as where I'm located, just, uh, not a very large city, but, uh, family oriented city. A lot of people know one another. So, uh, that's great with, uh, our school environments and, uh, where my kids, uh, go to school, and uh, our participation in the community.
0: Nice, nice. So you, there's, there's obviously a backstory to that chili. What, what is it? As in, as in, why is it so different?
1: <laughs> well, typically it's served over top of pasta, like spaghetti, uh, with heaping piles of shredded uh, cheddar cheese on top. Um, and you can get spicier infusion of that with jalapenos, or it's served on uh, hot dogs with like a chili dog <clears throat> style. So, uh, that's, uh, and there's the two competing brands of, uh, gold star chili and, and skyline chili, uh, very similar in uh sort of texture, but if the people around here could tell the difference between the two is from flavor. So, okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Any, any major attraction in the state
1: for me personally, I like to, when it's the weather's nice, I like to go hiking. Uh, so, uh, nearby to me, there's, a a place called uh caesar's creek lake uh it's kind of an oxymoron there with uh, the creek and lake next to each other but (laughs) started off as a creek at some point in time and now it's actually a an attraction spot for boaters fisher uh fisher folks that want to go out and catch fish uh, on a big lake but there's a lot of hiking trails around there that i like to hit uh in uh good weather and uh i'll take the kids out there with me and we'll just go hiking and it's kind of a Disconnect time to get out there in nature for quietness and, uh, you know, turn off devices and just turn off the buzz and noise of everyday digital life, so to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's something I've been uh, reading more and more about lately, is in being able to switch off and and detach from that whole total digital buzz that's always happening.
1: Exactly. Yeah, because your mind tends to go a mile a minute with. The constant feed from all of the social media and websites—that it's good to kind of detach from that and just get into the get into your own, you know, uh, self with things and understand where you need to reflect, and then uh, that helps me when it's quiet, you know, and uh, reduce the noise.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. I've been reading a book um, called Deep Work. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um by Carl Newport, and um yeah, quite incredible, really, you know, as in just looking into people's lives in our modern era that have done amazing things, and one of their their if you like superpowers or skills is the ability to this concept of deep work, which involves of course moving away from shallow work or shallow activities of which you know social media and email and the constant interruptions of our lives are part of that. And uh, so, yeah, it's quite it's quite challenging book for me because I've always been very active in those type of mediums and stuff. And it's making me rethink, you know, what's important, what's important.
1: Yeah, same here. And I think over the years, we've just, as a society, I've, I've accumulated this extra, I don't want to say burden, but an extra Uh, bandwidth we feel like we're being stretched in all places with the constant uh you know insurgent of these uh social media apps and platforms across there that instead of maybe devoting one time more time to one versus the other now it's even less and less time devoted uh to each one and and that constant snippets uh attention span of folks has reduced dramatically over the years um so that really plays an impact. I, I even read into that with uh, the the impact of uh, adoption with uh, uh, like Microsoft Dynamics and Power Apps. Uh, you know, with the users. So if something doesn't just grab them when they land on a screen of my expectations, it just kind of turns them off almost. But uh, and it's almost due to. <laughs> this constant pull in all directions with these uh the social media and it's tough even now with the younger generation coming along that that's what they've grown up in
0: yeah 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 it's it's interesting though when you can switch off it it's almost like uh, yeah just a refreshing it, it's almost i can't even describe how it how quickly you actually can detach, if you really, you know, proactively choose to, and then start reaping the benefits of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny, <laughs> it's funny because uh, I grew up, you know, pre-internet, and uh, <laughs> it's funny when you know, I would tell my kids that, you know, you know, they ask, "What did you do when you were a kid?" You know, I was like, "Well, there was not really much to choose from. You either go out inside and play, you know, read books." Didn't have that many channels compared to nowadays on TV, so you know you had to use your imagination a lot more. I I, I feel uh, reflecting back when I was younger, and um, your mind was more open to just all kinds of things versus being pulled now. I think in all different directions is what it seems like. So yeah,
0: so true, so true. Yeah. If you look at 2019 in, in review, what were the kind of big things that were on your radar that was your focus point when it comes to Microsoft business applications?
1: I think for me, it was a transitional period for not only myself, but I, I've seen a lot in the community from people trying to absorb that Dynamics 365, quote unquote, the traditional CRM. Is not what it used to be, with this underlying power platform and the the, uh, the rise of you know this uh, citizen developers and developing these what I'll call boutique apps with uh, Canvas apps. I mean, they could still get complex, but uh, fitting that niche need for those teams. That transition, I think, is you know rose up in 2019 more and more as the breadth of it became more well known um not only through the different uh conferences over 2019 but i think just the uh um the people adopting everyday use of it uh for their own purposes um i've been actually was reading up on um you may have heard of mr dang um you know his uh, use of canvas apps within the um the classroom was with students. I found that an interesting journey of just taking something that, you know, I want to make this environment better with the students I work with and what tool could I use? And him landing on power apps was uh, a neat journey to see and the interaction of kids with, um, how they learned using a tool like that. I mean, so from all different aspects, I think the growth uh, over 2019, um, really rose up and sp- sparked my interest more to keep learning. I've been a lifelong learner, and this just added to that. So I think that's that's what uh, really caught my attention over the 2019.
0: Mm-hmm. So you obviously became uh, an MVP through that year as well. Tell me, how did that come about?
1: Well, uh, I actually had an interest in it probably a couple of years ago. Uh, I think this was before they changed up the, uh, the model of, uh, uh, current MVP or Microsoft person, you know, nominating you. Um, so I was doing a self nomination, but I just, I, I guess at the time I just didn't have enough, um, connections or people kind of encouraging me to do this. Uh, so I just took a step back and thought, well, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, Staying involved in the community the best I can. Uh, I, I like to write blogs, um, typically how-tos to get people uh, engaged with, hey, I, I think I can t- do this myself, you know, type of approach. And uh, and just put that out there, uh, hoping people, and, and then put you know, self-promotion, so to speak, on LinkedIn or Twitter. And uh, along the way, speaking at, uh, like, Summit Conference, uh, the user group, community summit conference um, has helped as well to get in front of an audience to um, help them with the either uh that i almost like to say it's it's something you can walk away knowing i could do this when i get back into the office type of feel um and uh that really helped me to see a, a light bulb go off on people to uh say oh I think I can do that. Or I didn't know that about this particular application. So that was sort of a long journey coming. <clears throat> and then, um, so as meta connections grew, I just started reaching out to folks like, you know, what, what's involved in, in becoming an MVP? And, um, and so they helped me gather all the things together. And I pulled all my resources together that I had been contributing over the years. And uh, that really helped to put together sort of a, library or a catalog of things that I have been doing. And uh, <clears throat> so the surprise came, you know, the latter part of last year and uh, with the email and uh, it, it was just, uh, you know, it, you're, you're ecstatic and kind of overwhelmed and then you you feel like uh, that uh, imposter syndrome kind of kicks in, like <laughs> uh, I think what, which has become a, uh, it's, it's uh, a phrase that's been I've seen a rise of that in 2019 as well. I think it's just with people kind of with that self-doubt of like, well, I'm here now, but what does that mean? (laughs) So, but I think everybody's journey is unique and everybody has a story to tell with their approach of how they became an MVP. And then also our collective knowledge um, contributing to the community, I think is is a great benefit uh, in the fact that, you know, I'm, Like I said, I'm still a lifelong learner, so I'm still learning from not only other MVPs, but other just great contributors that are out there, and uh, that's helped me continue this journey uh, since, you know, a couple short months here (laughs) of being an MVP, and well, the other encouragement is seeing other uh, MVPs and bloggers out there with ideas and thoughts and posts that's like... If they can keep doing that, I can keep doing this journey. Sometimes you feel like, uh, can I can I keep doing this? You know, is it going to be a good payoff in the long in the long run, or do I have time to do it? Um, but understanding what the, the bigger goal is is what's really driving me to keep producing content or keep helping others with just simple um, answers on uh, the community posts out on Microsoft Community.
0: So So a couple of things there, which I find um, intriguing is the one around you blogging. Tell me, what's your system? Like how, how do you um, create or or what do you see as your standard when creating a blog post?
1: For me, it it sometimes comes along in a way of a, uh, a need that a customer has had. And a solution that I've come up with to help serve that need or an issue that they faced that um, they didn't know how to get around. And we work together, uh, collaborate together with the customer to say, okay, what's what's the issue? What are you facing? And let's see what's the best outcome and solution. Um, Or other times it's the awareness factor. Sometimes the customer is not even aware that there's a either a setting or another application available, like Power Automate, <laughs> that could simplify what they're currently doing. Uh, so introducing information and tools to a customer sometimes sparks like, oh, well, I didn't even know that was available, and that becomes just the foundation of of a blog topic. Um, sometimes I get a little more complex, sometimes I ratchet it back and keep it kind of simplistic um but that usually is what my spark comes from uh other times it's just uh, uh spark sometimes comes from uh answering uh questions out on the community forum uh microsoft community uh somebody will pose like uh, hey i'm trying to do this and i'm running into this blocker and i, I don't know how to get around it and then I'll go, hmm, let me see if I can figure this out. And then some, below a behold, something comes up. And I'm like, hey, try this. And it works for them. So that becomes sort of a catalyst for creating the blog content. And then I usually, my format is I typically like to have um, obviously the topic, but the, the content of text along with screenshots I find very helpful. Uh, so people can follow along as far as if they're trying to set something up or implement this in their systems they can follow along and know oh i click this or hey watch out for this or there's sometimes you may need to be aware of these things so i try to include some little tidbits of information that can sometimes be a blocker as you're setting it up and uh or be aware of certain things i find that um just my style or or approach with blogging
0: yeah awesome so how like one of the questions i get a lot from people is you know, I don't know what to write on. I want to blog, but I, I don't have topics and stuff. And you've talked there about, you know, you from your customer interactions, you find, con- you know, topic ideas from reading forums. Do you ever get to the, like, do you maintain a list of ideas or is it always, you know, whatever floats your boat that week type thing that you jump on that topic and do? How, how do you maintain that list of ideas and topics?
1: Yeah, I I try to stay organized with a list, um, but that doesn't always pan out because sometimes when I get around to time to writing the blog, something's already changed with the available options based on that topic. <laughs> so a good example is like in Power Automate, you know, with the connectors back to Common Data Service or CDS that there's been different connectors that have come up since the introduction of, well, when it was Microsoft Flow and transition to Power Automate, there was the different connectors. Uh, you first start off with a dynamics three sixty-five connector. And then now you have the common data service connector. And then there's a third one with a common data service current environment connector, which you you know create through a solution. So sometimes when that pops up as a as a topic, I'm like, well, I maybe can start about here's how to use a dynamics three sixty five connector. Well, that's now <laughs> transitioned to these CDS connectors. So Usually, when I get around to that topic, you know, things in this arena change so rapidly that sometimes it's really something that came up that week or just the week prior, and then the next week I'll turn around and, and write something about it to try to keep it fresh as I can. Because um, sometimes if you build a backlog, you get to some item and it's like well, that's no longer relevant.
0: Mm-hmm, mm, mm, mm. Do you do you have any kind of minimum word links that you try to write to? What do you consider, or do you just write till you really like upnailed? You know, of delivered what I set out to do on this post.
1: It's usually uh, delivered, uh, you know, what I set out to do. Um, I usually don't have a a minimum word length uh, on that. I I just make try try to make sure I'm I'm thorough enough to where it covers all the relevant areas or topics or. Uh, or subtopics, I should say, underneath the main topic. Uh, and if it's relevant to maybe a screenshot that I'm showing or steps you're walking through, uh, to make sure nothing's missed. Um, because I, I find that very helpful if I were to read a, a blog. I, I read a lot of blogs. Uh, but if I were to read a blog or a forum post or something and somebody said, oh, this is out here now and just click this link. Well, I'll click the link and go follow the blog and can I do this and I'll try it and give it a go but if I run into a step I'm like well there's looks feels like there's something left out here <laughs> um, I would, wouldn't want that to be felt by somebody trying to follow a post I had uh, and if it, if they did just let me know you know communicate with me and I'll be glad to edit and update but uh, that's usually my flow of blog uh, postings
0: yeah, yeah. So, how many posts do you reckon you're getting out a month, roundabout on average?
1: Uh, I try to get uh, two or three. Uh, anywhere from two or three on average. Uh, sometimes up to five. I've done in a month. Uh, I post in different areas and different sites. Uh, just depending. Uh, I have my own blog site. I, I post on uh, under like CRM software blog site or out on the community Microsoft community forum site. So I have different places I blog and post um, things on. So um, I think my goal this year is to try to be more consistent with where I post uh, and how I post. So it's I'm uh, more cross posting and uh, or linking back to uh, in a better cohesive fashion uh, with uh, getting myself more promoted out there on social media and under certain topics.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the best bit of feedback you've ever received on um, on a post?
1: On a couple of them, I uh, it's actually been like kudos, like thank you for posting this. Uh, I had a couple of comments where folks were like, I, "I can't believe somebody would actually post this level of content on a blog post." It's like giving away, you know, almost like a free consultation on, <laughs> on under a certain topic, you know, because I like I said, I try to be thorough. And, uh, so that's some of the good feedback I've received that, that honestly feeds back into that loop of, okay, I can keep doing this to push out the next, you know, it's that, uh, um, you know, feeding it into yourself to know I, I can, and an encouragement in a way that I can keep doing this cause I know I'm impacting the community and, you know, random folks will <laughs> stumble across the, a post and, and, uh, it'll help them out. And I, I think that's. The beauty of all these different sites you can post across and uh, impacting these different consumers because sometimes they're not aware of certain sites. So when you post across multiple sites, it helps uh, cast the net wider. Yeah. In other
0: words. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense, Aaron, That's been brilliant. So, uh, final question before I, I jump to some quick, quick fire questions, put you on the spot. What's 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 been the uh, the best thing about uh, becoming an MVP?
1: Uh, for me, uh, thus far, sort of uh, a newbie in the realm here <laughs> is connecting with other MVPs. Um, I have been MVPs for uh, quite a while, you know, several years, in fact, some of them uh, just kind of absorbing through them, <laughs> uh, almost like the osmosis effect, <laughs> absorbing their knowledge through what they cast off almost of of little tidbits here and there or things just like, hmm, I didn't, never thought of it that way. So that's really helped with uh, uh, so far, uh, just absorbing. And uh, I, I still try to contribute uh, as much as I can through MVB channels, but uh, that's been uh, a huge uh, help uh, so far.
0: Mm, mm, mm. I like it. I like it. Okay. You ready for some quick fire questions?
1: All right. I'm going to try my best. Now, these are just <laughs> totally
0: random. They're, you know, about life in general. Some are deep, some are shallow, some are disrespectful but uh let's let's give it a crack (laughs) okay okay here we go what's a skill you learned when you were younger that you still use today
1: ah well that's a good one um when i was younger uh something that was instilled in me was to uh with that learner mentality is that you never know what you learn in one area can be applicable to another area uh, so that's really helped me a lot to where it's even not in what I'll call your technical skills, but the, those interpersonal skills has really helped out. So
0: very good. Very good. Would you rather always have gas, or always have bad breath? <laughs> probably, uh, at
1: least with bad breath, you have something to, uh, temporarily alleviate with gum or mints or something, <laughs>
0: Awesome. If you could write a book, what would it be about?
1: Hmm. I've always had a mind, if I, if I ever did want to write a book, it'd probably be a fiction book. Uh, I'm a fan of action-adventure-type books that kind of take you to a sort of a, another plane of existence, so to speak, outside our, our regular world. Uh, but uh, some action-adventure book um, with some undercurrents of uh, suspense, you know, mystery. Intrigue in there. Yeah.
0: What's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you during a date?
1: Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my dating days are... (laughs) That's been long ago. I've been almost married 20 years now. (laughs) So uh, I have to say... um, Oh, gosh, that's a toughie. I think it was the fact of just being naive through the whole thing. (laughs) Not knowing what to expect. (laughs) And then am I going to say the wrong thing or embarrass embarrassed my date, you know, with with just something nonsensical. But uh, yeah, I think it was most embarrassing thing. Ah, uh, I I really can't say. Maybe it's the bad breath or gas <laughs> scenario. Oh,
0: <laughs> good. Oh, good. In what way do you feel your childhood was happier than other people's? Um,
1: I have to say that uh, probably just where I grew up. Has kind of impacted me uh, i 've always grown up in this region, and uh, it, you know I just felt myself blessed to have grown up here um, as far as uh, like I said the community um, and the family that i've uh, obviously was born into and uh, and the heritage that was passed down I, I always uh, I think it's enriching to my life uh, my wife and I actually did the Ancestry history Type uh, digging ancestry.com thing um, a couple of years back. And it was interesting to find out the heritage you have from the folks that came before that sort of laid the groundwork to become part of your ancestors and family that now led to who you are. So I think that's a, a great uh, impact on me.
0: Excellent. Have you been told you look like someone famous? And if so, who is it? <laughs>
1: No, I've n- I've never had that uh fortunate or unfortunate opportunity, but no. <laughs> nope, it's never occurred.
0: Awesome. Okay, Aaron, it's been great to have you uh on the show. Tell me if if people if people want to get in touch with you or look at your, you know, blog, where do you recommend they go find you online?
1: Sure. Uh they can find me on Twitter. Um I am hanging on Twitter quite a bit, uh and on LinkedIn. Uh, my Twitter handle is at amattb, uh, A-M-A-T-T-B. Uh, LinkedIn, just uh, search for Aaron Back, uh, Microsoft MVP, and you'll find me. And then uh, as far as my uh, website or blog site, I should say, uh, is Dynamics Backpage. Uh, I'm on WordPress, so dynamicsbackpage.wordpress.com. You can find me out there. And uh, I'm also on the uh, Dynamics uh, user group or user community uh microsoft community uh i'm under um power back out there <laughs> just playing off my last name so uh so that's where you find me under that uh handle there
0: hey thanks for listening have you heard about the 90-day mentoring challenge it's free mentoring that I run for a period of 90 days each year. More than 200 people enrolled in 2020. I'll open up registration for 2021 in October, later this year. For more information, check out nz365guy.com forward slash 90daymc. That's 90DAYMC. Full show notes can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 175. See you next time.